This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for Your grace. Uh, Truly, it's not because of who we are, what we've done. It's all because who You are and what You've done. Lord, uh, we thank You. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for loving us, though we don't deserve it. Thank You for sending Jesus to live and die and rise again for us in our place so that we may have everlasting life in Your presence. Lord, we pray as we come tonight uh, to this passage before us, asking that You grant understanding, enable us to receive here what You have for us, we pray. Be glorified in the reading, the proclamation, and the hearing of Your Word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Matthew 25. We kind of skipped over an important question this morning. And I told you that uh, we'd come back to it tonight. Um, I'm sorry, I said Matthew 25. It should be Matthew 13. Forgive me. Um, we skip, if we go there, we skipped a lot. Uh, Matthew 13. And what we did this morning, this is the, uh, the parable of the sower. Um, so what we did this morning was read the parable. In uh, the first nine verses, uh, roughly. And then we jumped over, basically, to uh, verse 18 and read Jesus' own um, exposition of it in verses 18 through 23. So, uh, it's with that in mind tonight that we're going to look at the, uh, the verses in between verses 10 through 17. Uh, so, just if you weren't here this morning, just... Understand that, that that is behind what we're talking about here. Jesus has just told the parable of the sower and given the explanation. In short, um, interesting, by the way, he doesn't, he doesn't say, when he, when he does the exposition, I don't know if you noticed this, but who's the sower? Kind of raises the question, doesn't it? Uh, certainly, and I think that's because it has more than one application, certainly could be Jesus, right? You know, Jesus... Uh, bringing the word, or you could say, um, you know, uh, just say God getting the word to uh, to people. But uh, we know from other passages, don't we, like Romans 10, that the way that God has designed to get the word out is through the preaching of His word. So through human agency. So that's probably why there's no explanation here. In other words, it could be any preacher. Could be in that, by that I mean any Christian, any Christian uh, proclaiming the truth, the good news. Any Christian can be this this farmer going out and scattering seed, and he gave us four kinds of 
hearers that reflect the hearts of those hearers. Um, the wayside hearer in the parable, he says, when the, when the farmer scatters the seed, some of it fell along the wayside. That's, that's the hardened path along the side of the field. And so that seed does not even penetrate the surface because the path is, is hard. And he likens that to a person who hears the Word and does not understand, and immediately Satan comes and steals the Word away, steals what was sown in his heart away. And that's pictured in the parable by the birds coming, right? There's, there's seeds scattered along the path, and the birds swoop down and take the seed. It's a picture of Satan um, robbing the human heart of God's truth because they don't, because you don't perceive it. You don't understand it. And then some fell on stony places, not much earth there, and it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, withered away. And Jesus says that's like uh, someone who hears the Word, receives it with joy, immediately, He says, but they have no root. He has no root in Himself. Endures only for a while. So here's a picture of somebody with temporary faith. They, they, they hear the Word, receive it, um, but endure only for a short while. There's, there's no real perseverance there. There's no true saving uh, grace there in this situation. And so Jesus says in, in the parable, you know, the sun comes up, and the, the uh, plant withers. He says here, so as soon as this person who has received the Word with joy is exposed to persecution for the Word's sake, well, um, he stumbles immediately. Again, he uses the word immediately in verse 21. Immediately he stumbles. He's scandalized. He falls. And then he says, another scenario, the third hearer is... The one among thorny grounds, what we call the distracted hearer. He's distracted, Jesus says, by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And those things choke out the Word. And this person becomes unfruitful, verse 22 says. And by the way, that's, that's the case in all three scenarios. They have no real life in them, and in each case, there's no fruit. Produced. So all three of those hearers, the wayside hearer that we called the hardened hearer this morning, this, the uh, stony ground hearer um, that we called the shallow hearer this morning, and the, the, the thorn, thorny ground hearer where the seed fell upon thorns, which we call the distracted here this morning, all three of those are, are descriptions of people who are not saved. You know, they have varying degrees of, um, of outward appearance of religion. I mean, true, you know, appearance of true religion, but, but it's not really there. Um, and so they don't last. There's no real life there. There's no depth. It doesn't take root. And so there's no fruit produced. And so, in the last scenario, Jesus says the seed falls on good ground. And, of course, the result is 
fruit is produced. So in verse 8, for example, in the parable, he says, Others fell on good ground and yield a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And then in his exposition of it, uh, he says in verse 23, He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now that's the difference in uh, the lost person and the saved person. False religion and true religion. All of them heard the Word. And that, by the way, is, is a necessity. The Word must be heard for true um, conversion to take place. True salvation. The Word must be heard. But it also must be understood. Perceived. That is, uh, with heart understanding. It's got to sink in. It's got to take root. It's got to pierce deep below the surface to, to the root. And then the result is it produces fruit. So they all heard the Word, but they didn't all understand the Word. Only, only the fourth ground in the parable, uh, the good ground hearer. Um, and they all heard the Word, but they did not all produce fruit. Only the good ground hearer produced fruit. The good ground hearer hears the Word, understands it, Indeed, bears fruit and produces. So there's, there's the difference. Um, that's the parable of the sower. Now, in the midst of this, between Jesus telling the parable and Jesus explaining the parable, He is asked this question by the disciples. In verse 10, why do you speak to them in parables? That is, why do you speak to the people in parables? Um, we can only speculate really why that question came up, I don't know, maybe some of the people were complaining, uh, murmuring, who knows, or maybe the disciples just thought of it themselves. You know, this is odd. He, he um, tells us things that he doesn't tell the crowd. And when he speaks to the crowd, he primarily speaks in parables. I wonder why he does that. So I want to read verses uh, 10 through 17 where this question is raised and Jesus gives his answer. Verse 10, the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. 
lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Okay. Why do you speak to them in parables? Um, I want to read you the other parallel passages because they're short. Um, Two verses in Mark. And uh, three verses in Mark and two verses in Luke. Mark 4, um, 10 through 12. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Luke 8, verses 9 and 10. Then his disciples asked him, saying, "Um, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And and by the way, the reference he's making there and that he quotes uh, at length here in in uh, Matthew 13, 14, and 15, Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, is uh, from Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. We'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, but that's, that's what he's quoting there. Okay, so Jesus basically gives a, a two-fold answer, a two-sided answer. Why do you speak to them in parables? And, and there's a... Um, a contrast there between... It's an us and them, right? Us and them. Us, disciples, them, the rest of the crowd, uh, probably what they're referring to. Uh, and they want to know, why, why do you speak to them in parables? And he said to them, here's the twofold answer, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of, of the kingdom, so so number one, it's a it's a teaching tool, right? And, and this is the way we usually think of parables. I mean, commonly, everybody understands this part. It's 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 a way of revealing truth. Um, you know by now that I'm I'm not a uh, storyteller uh, for the most part, and and you know probably good reason. I mean, you probably don't want me. To try, but I don't know, um, <laughs> and I won't at least tonight. Maybe another time. But a, a lot of preachers, and this is a very good method. Obviously, I mean Jesus used it. A lot of preachers are storytellers, and this is one reason because they see the value of being able to put truth and communicate truth in story form. 
It, it is very valuable oftentimes in, in uh, gaining people's ears, right? Getting their attention, in other words. People like stories. Um, probably heard it said, you know, that children like stories, but I think the truth is pretty much everybody, um, children of all ages, like, like to hear a good story. Or at least it used to be that way. Maybe today it's they like to watch them, you know. We like to, to you know, we'll wait till the DVD comes out and watch the DVD. Uh, but it's an effective means of teaching, especially for somebody who's good at it. They, they can really take profound scriptural truths and oftentimes in a, in a story they can put them in a, in a uh, form that even a child can understand. One of, uh, you know, just as far as listening to um, Bible teachers, one of my favorites, I guess you would say, is uh, R.C. Sproul. And uh, he's written at least two, maybe three children's books. And, uh, you know, they're, they're excellent. They're excellent. And, and he made it a personal rule. I've, I've heard him say this many, many times. You, you, uh, he made it a personal rule many years ago, I guess. Um, he said, if, if you can't take a theological truth and explain it so that a, like a six- or seven-year-old child can understand, then he said, then you don't understand it yourself. Uh, and, and he is, at least in some cases, at least the books I've read, the children's books I've read, he is able to do that. It's a very valuable teaching tool. So it's, it's a means of revelation. In other words, we're gonna, uh, Jesus takes some spiritual truth and puts it in story form and gives it, and it helps, uh, helps us digest it, right? Helps us take it in. And Jesus does that throughout the, the, uh, the Gospels. He's telling parable after parable after parable after parable, driving home uh, truths. But there's a second reason, too, that he states here. Uh, the first one, uh, everything I just said there is kind of uh, summed up in that first one. It has been given to you. That's he's telling the disciples. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what he's saying is, this is how I communicate them to help you understand them. It's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And that is something that ought to... Uh, generate interest in all of us. I mean, we ought to want to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, right? And by the way, when you see that term in the New Testament, mysteries, think of it in terms of, of a truth once hidden, now revealed. It's usually the way it's, uh, it's, it's used. Um, for example, in Ephesians 2, Paul talks about the inclusion of the Gentiles. And he's, he's referring to that as a mystery. It was hidden. It was unknown from, from all of creation. And now it's revealed. God has broken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentiles. And we're all made one man in Christ. It was a mystery. The Jews didn't understand that. They didn't perceive that. So Jesus says, To you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. In other words, He's saying, I want you to know them. And I'm using parables to communicate them. But, now here comes the hard part. <laughs> but to them, it has not been given. 
So, it's a means of revelation and blessing. In fact, he goes on to say, um, verse 16, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear, and so forth. It's a means of blessing, but it's also a means of judgment, condemnation. For them, it's, to them, it's not given. So, at the same time, the, the, the parable that communicates spiritual truth can be an aid, a teaching aid and help to believers. And at the same time, conceal the truth for unbelievers. And one way that happens here in the text is that Jesus goes on to explain it in verses 19 um, through 23 to His disciples, but not to the whole crowd. But I, I think, well, I'll try to point out to you tonight that there's, there's, there's even a difference beyond that. So, uh, I'll try to come back to that. But for whoever uh, has, what Jesus says in verse 12, He's still saying, to you it's given, to them it's not been given. I've given you the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom. To them it has not been given. For, verse 12, whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Now there again, you have the blessing and the judgment. To him who has, to you it's given to know the mysteries. And more is going to be given. More is going to be given. And again, the proof of that is in verses 18 through 23. Because he expounds the parable to them. And more is going to be given. And to you who have, more is going to be given. And you're going to have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. So, there in the dark, basically, concerning spiritual truth. And let's, let's just say, and you, I mean, you could take any given parable, the parable of the sower, or any given parable and say, this truth that Jesus is communicating, they're in the dark concerning this, and with the speaking of the parable, the truth remains concealed to them. And the, and the darkness just sort of gets thicker. And they continue to reject, and the darkness just gets thicker. And uh, what they had gets taken away. So it's sort of like the first, um, well, it is like the first three scenarios in the parable. First is, you know, the hard ground. And immediately Satan comes and steals the Word away. What they had is taken away. Then there's the stony ground here that uh, receives the Word with joy. And I mean, there's emotion involved. 
in the reception of God's revelation. But then comes persecution for the Word's sake, and they fall. And what they had is, or appeared to have is taken away. And then there's the seed that fell among or upon thorns. And again, there appears to be life. The thorns sprang up. The implication seems to be that, well, the seed was upon it, so they sprung up. But, but there's no life. They're ch- choked out. The life is just literally choked out by the thorns, which Jesus describes as the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And they're never fruitful. And the life is gone, choked, strangled. What they had, or appeared to have, is taken away. Therefore, Jesus says in verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. And this is key. <laughs> this is key. Because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear. He, he's suggesting there's two different kinds of seeing and there's two different kinds of hearing. And every one of these scenarios, the seed was scattered and the seed fell. In other words, they heard. They heard. But they didn't really hear. They heard, but they didn't hear. So Jesus says in verse 13, seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. Nor do they, and again, this is all important, nor do they understand. Because what did we say? Sets the fourth, you know, the good ground, the fourth scenario, the good ground here. What set the good ground here apart from the other three? The good ground here heard the Word just like they all did and understood. They understood and they produced, they bore fruit. That is, the Word took root and life was generated. And so life became evident. They heard the Word, they understood, and they bore fruit. In fact, Jesus says it emphatically, indeed bears fruit, verse 23, and produces. So I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, now he's quoting from Isaiah 6. You you may remember the story there. It's in in the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah was a great king, and the year that he died was a national tragedy. He ruled for uh, 50 years, 50-some years. I don't remember the exact number. And uh, it was somewhat like, you know, just to uh, just kind of draw a parallel here. Anybody that's here that's old enough to remember the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated... It would be something like that. Just a, a, just a national tragedy. 
Uzziah had a prosperous reign. That is, you know, the, somewhat the, the people of Israel had a, some security there under him. And, and Isaiah said it was in the year that he died that I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. By the way, John suggests that that was Jesus. <laughs> he talks about when Isaiah saw his glory. In Isaiah 6, he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he describes you know, the holiness of God. And the seraphim crying out, holy, holy, holy. And just as is always the case, when, when you get understanding about the nature and character of God, simultaneously you get understanding about the nature and character of self. It's a traumatic event. When God gives you a glimpse of His glory, His holiness, you cannot help but at the same time get a glimpse of your sinfulness And your corruption. And so Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he heard the angelic beings crying out, Holy, holy, holy. And, and Isaiah said, I came apart. Man, I came undone. And I said, Woe is me. That's, that's a pronouncement. Of judgment. Serious thing for a Hebrew prophet. Wasn't at that time, it wasn't a country song, you know. Well it it was when when Isaiah said, Woe is me, he's pronouncing judgment on himself. It's called an oracle of woe. What Jesus does in Matthew twenty three when he's confronting the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes. Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, lawyers. He's pronouncing judgment. And Isaiah, at the sight of God's holiness, pronounced judgment on himself and said, I'm undone. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And one of the angelic beings took a coal from the fire of the altar there and flew over to Isaiah and touched his tongue with the coal and said, Now you're, you're clean. And the Lord spoke and said, Who will go for us? Who shall we send? That is, who will go to this people and proclaim the message? And Isaiah said those famous words, right? Here am I. Send me. That's another thing that happens when a person has a genuine encounter with the God of glory. There's a willingness to go. 
and do His will. That's suggested. I think that's a light word for it. I think it's really a lot stronger than that. But in the parable that we're looking at today, the good ground hearer produced, bore fruit, produced. When Isaiah was cleansed by the power of a holy God, He said, here am I. Send me. In verse 9 of Isaiah 6, the Lord said, Go and tell this people. Here it is. This is what Jesus is quoting in Matthew 13. Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see. You see, the Lord is pronouncing judgment upon the people of Israel because they refuse to hear. They would not hear God's Word. And so He tells His prophet, tell them. Go tell them, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. And Jesus said, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's why I speak in parables. Because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear. The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand. Remember that? That's, that's what sets the three first types of ground apart from the last. They don't understand. Lest they understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. It's a pronouncement of judgment. Just like it was in Isaiah's day. I speak to you in parables as a means of blessing. So that you may know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I speak to them in parables because they won't hear. And this is judgment upon them. For their hardness of heart. Blessed are your eyes, he says, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see. Now think what what Jesus has in mind there. He's thinking of all the prophets and righteous men of old. This is, this is an a, in, indictment, if you, if you think about it, in, in, to the people here who weren't hearing, not, not to the twelve, but, or to the eleven. Of all the people of old, the righteous men and prophets, they desired to hear the things that you hear. They desired to see the things that you see. And what about us? Think what David, or Moses, or Isaiah or Elijah, or Jeremiah, would have given to have the rest of the story that we hold in our hands. 
to see what we see, to hear what we hear. How blessed we are to have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to know what His life meant, what His death meant, what His atoning death meant for us, to know what the resurrection meant, to know that it's, it's behind us now. It's done. Blessed, Jesus says, are you. And oh, how the saints of old would envy you for what you hear and for what you see. They didn't get to hear it or see it. Now, so here's, here's the two things. And I want to kind of raise a little, I think it's kind of a little problem. I mean, it could be. Here's the two things. Jesus, I, why do you speak to them in parables? It's a means of blessing and it's a means of judgment. Blessing to those who understand that's the good ground hearers. Judgment to those who don't understand. That's the other three. The wayside are hardened hearers, the shallow hearers, and the distracted hearers. Judgment to them. Now, here's, here's the question I want to raise. Now, I think Jesus answers it in the passage we just read from Isaiah but uh, that He quotes here. You know, I, I used to point to this passion. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to ex- explain, hopefully, uh, <laughs> adequately here. But I, but I used to point to this passage um, relating to the doctrine of election this way. I would still point to it in that regard, but in a different way. But I used to point to it, you know, saying that, like this is this is another passage, this is another example um, that God has a chosen people that He's making Himself known to in a special way that you know He's not doing with everybody. And 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 you know, and I would kind of look at this as one passage that bears that out and say, okay, here's what we see here, right? Jesus is speaking to the crowd, the multitudes, and He gives the parable. But then He goes over to the side, so to speak, with just the twelve, and He gives them what we have here in verses 19 through 23. He explains the parable to the twelve. Not to the whole crowd, but to the twelve. That seemed to me to be what made the primary difference. So, to the multitudes, He gives the parable knowing that they're not going to understand it and leaves it that way. But then to the twelve, he gives the explanation so that they have a better, you know, so that they, to make sure they grasp it. Well, that's, that's sort of right, sort of true, but I, I think it just doesn't quite explain it all. Here's why. Because now the explanation is here for everybody to read. It's right there. 
in black and white, unless you have a red letter edition like I do. In that case, it's there in red and white. So the explanation is there for everybody. So, so how can we say, well, he, he, he explained it exclusively to the disciples while he leaves everybody else in the dark? Well, I mean, he put it in writing. It's right there for everybody. Anybody that can go by a Bible um, can read the explanation. And in our country, our society, I mean, you can get a Bible. They have them at Pilate. They got them at Walmart. Used to have them where I work. Don't carry them anymore. But you can get a Bible just about anywhere. If you can't, somebody will give you one in this country. I mean, we, we, got, them, we got them everywhere. So, so it's there. It's wide open. It's laid open. <laughs> Reminds me of what Jesus said a few chapters back. He said, what I tell you, what I whisper to you in the ear, you, you proclaim from the rooftops. So part of it's this. I think there's some timing involved. It's just like revealing himself as Messiah. It wasn't, wasn't time yet. He, he, he let certain ones in on that, but not everybody. And the ones that he let in on it, oftentimes he told them, you know, keep it, keep it quiet. Keep, keep a lid on it. But, like I say, he told his disciples, time's coming. You know, when I, what I whisper to you in the ear, you shout from the rooftops. There's time coming for it to be made known. So part of it's that. Part of it's timing. Now it's time to be made known. It's written. It's kind of like you go back and look at, you know, Daniel receives a vision concerning the end times. And the Lord tells Daniel, seal it up. Seal it up. It's a mystery. It's a secret. Put a seal on that. What you saw, Daniel... Put a seal on that. Now, parts of it's recorded in the book of Daniel. Some of it's just sealed up. We don't know. But then you get over to Revelation. <laughs> and, and the Lord appears to John, John the Revelator, and He says, we need somebody to open the seals. And Jesus turns out to be the one. And John is commanded to write. Write. Write what you see. Write it down in a book. It's going to be, it's going to be made known. So part of it's timing. Yes, it was concealed from the crowd at that time, but later, as I said, to be revealed right here in the Gospels. And we've got it in three of the four Gospels. So if you have a copy of Matthew, Mark, or Luke... You've got the parable of the sower with the explanation. It's there for anybody to read who can read. The other explanation is this, and I need, for this I need to go back to two things. The parable, or three things. The parable and the explanation of the parable and the quote from Isaiah I think, uh, and it's not going to answer every question regarding it, but I mean, I think it, it helps make it clear. And it goes back to that idea again of understanding. Jesus gives the parable to the multitude, and the majority of them out there 
don't understand. There are 11 who do already. Not that they perfectly understood the parable, but they already understood the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to some extent. You know, what Jesus had already revealed. They understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Let's just keep it real simple like that. They understood that Jesus was the Messiah before this parable. They accepted that. They believed that. The rest of the crowd did not. Before the parable. I'm saying this was already their condition. Look look in verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. To you, verse 11 he says, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To them it has not been given. They don't understand. They don't understand. So I speak to them in Parables. And the truth is veiled. And it remains so. To those who reject Christ, even if they read Matthew 13, or Mark 4, or Luke 8 in their entirety, so that they read Jesus' explanation, they still don't understand. And that's what you have in the first three scenarios in the parable. The wayside hearers don't understand. Satan comes immediately, snatches away the truth. The truth that was planted in their heart. Stony ground, shallow hearers, they don't understand. So, they, they have this appearance of life, the emotions, you know, the excitement, I'm saved, hallelujah, all that kind of thing. And they rock on like that for a little while, but then persecution comes. And because they don't understand, they're offended when they're persecuted for the sake of the Word. And they fall away. And the seed... That falls among or upon thorns. They don't understand. They don't understand. It's obvious because they, they love the things of this world more than they love the truth of God. They love self more than the Savior cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches choke out the Word. They're all unfruitful. All three unfruitful. But the good ground hearer hears the Word and understands. So it's to those who understand Jesus says, more will be given so that you have abundance. 
So the the same word of God, and I would I would apply this to all of God's word, not just not just his parables. But the same word of God that results in condemnation for the unbeliever just piles on blessing for the believer. Whoever has, to him more will be given. So, you heard the gospel, you believe, you understand, and then what do you do the rest of your Christian life? You, you stay in the Word. You get in the Word. And you get in and you stay in it. And you stay in it. And you receive more. And you receive more. And you receive more. And you have abundance. To him who has, more will be given. But whoever does not have, those who hear but don't hear, who see but don't see, those who... Verse 15 describes as their hearts having grown dull, their ears hard of hearing. They have closed their eyes. To them, it's what, what they had or what they seem to have, Luke says, Luke 8.18. What they seem to have is taken away. So it, 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 it takes us right back to the questions we were asking this morning, doesn't it? What do you do with what you hear? Again, remember Luke 8, 18. Take heed how you hear. That's, that's the message of all of this. The parable, the question and the explanation about the use of parables. And the exposition of the parable. Take heed how you hear. What do you do with God's truth? Has it taken root in your heart? Is there life in you? Is there fruit being produced by the living Word? and the indwelling Spirit? Are you not just hearing, but hearing? Are you not just seeing, but seeing? Are you understanding? Bearing fruit and producing. Take heed how you hear. We're going to pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the uh, elements before us. So uh, we're going to pray now, and then, brothers, if you would, you can come. Lord, we do look to You. Lord, don't let us be deceived. Don't let us think we hear while all the while we're deaf think we see while all the while we're blind. For hearing 
for seeing, for understanding, for bearing fruit. Lord, we're dependent upon You. We pray, You who makes the ground good, grant that we be good ground hearers, hearing and understanding and bearing fruit to Your glory. We do pray, Lord, um, now as we uh, enter into this observance of the Lord's Supper, Lord, we pray asking for Your blessing upon the elements before us, the bread and the juice. Set our, our minds right, Lord, so that we can focus and focus our attention upon You and receive this supper um, as intended with thanks to You, with love for You and for one another. May we truly uh, observe it as showing the Lord's death until He comes. We thank You. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.